Like some food for thought? Tune in to Radical Philosophy with discussions on freedom, happiness, knowledge, evil and rational argument. With words from Hawthorne, Tatman, Jenkins, Hutchinson, Hirsi Ali and Plumwood. Let's get radical about philosophy. This is Joe Nessel speaking on and for Radical Philosophy at 3CR. I can remember speaking early when I first arrived uh, to Melbourne at a program called The Women's Shed, and that was my introduction to the wonders of community radio, which are more important in the world now than ever. One thing I've discovered in general about raising kids is that they don't really give a damn if you walk five miles to school, Patty Duke. No, they certainly don't, do they? That's a good introduction to our interview today, which is on why have children. This is part two of a two-part interview, and welcome to Radical Philosophy, and I'm your host, Beth Matthews. You're listening to Radical Philosophy on Radio 3CR 8.55 on your AM dial and I'm speaking to Professor Christine Overall about the topic, Why Have Children? And now there are also some consequentialist reasons for people having children as well. Yes, so consequentialist reasons means reasons pertaining to the outcomes of one's decision and there can be good ones and bad ones, I think, in this case. In some cases, I think we have to beware of treating children as a kind of consumer good. There's that tendency in richer societies to see children perhaps as something that that one can acquire that is a kind of accessory that can be dressed up, that looks cute, and so on. I certainly don't think everybody feels that way, but I, I sometimes suspect that the imperative to sell things encourages people to see children as another consumer good. So that would be a consequentialist reason that is not so good. Another kind of consequentialist reason that I have doubts about is so-called savior siblings. And I don't know whether there's time for me to explain that completely, but there have been cases where parents have had one child who is extremely, ended up being extremely ill, and then chose to have a second child in the hope that the second child could provide bone marrow and rescue the first child. So that's a case where they're choosing to have the second child for the sake of the consequences of having that child, but they're having that child in some ways to use the child as a means to rescue the first child. And and I have some doubts about that. I know there are a lot of philosophers who don't think it's problematic, but I find it somewhat troubling. Traditionally, people have chosen to have children sometimes for economic reasons. That was much more true in the past uh, than it is today in wealthier nations. It used to be, of course, that children were an important 
source of richness or at least of comfortable life because they could help out at home, they could work in the fields, they could help support their parents. And it always surprises me even today that some people will say to people who do not have children, they will say, well, who do they think is going to support them when they get old? In other words, they're assuming that one reason to have children is to have somebody to take care of you when you get old. So that's definitely a consequentialist reason. seems to me to be not a very good one. It's not even a very pragmatic one because probably many of us can think of cases where children either do not or cannot support their, their parents in their old age. But in any case, having children for that reason seems to me to be, once again, using the child as a kind of means. And these days, of course, children in prosperous Western societies are, are in literal terms, not so much an economic asset, but rather an economic liability because children are dependent for so long and because so much education is needed now compared to what was needed 100 or 200 years ago. So part of the problem with having children for the sake of the outcomes that that decision will create is that it can sometimes seem as if the children are being brought into existence to be used for the benefit of the parents. And it is true that parents often do benefit and benefit enormously by having children. I'm not in any way condemning that. I'm not saying that that's wrong. But I am raising questions about whether it makes sense to have children because you think you will benefit. Because then you seem to be focusing on the good for yourself rather than focusing on the value and the flourishing of the child. The other thing that I sort of found, I've, I've got one child, and once I had one child there seemed to be a lot of pressure to have another child so that that one child wouldn't be an only child. Oh, that's so interesting, yes. I, I think that only children and having just one child, they're so unfairly maligned. I mean, it, it goes against all the empirical evidence, as a matter of fact. People always worry that only children will be lonely or that they'll grow up being self-centered. And... To my knowledge, from studies of only children, that turns out not to be true. And in fact, only children end up with a lot of advantages that children from large families don't have. And those advantages have to do with the fact that they have more parental attention than children in large families have. The larger the family, the more the parental attention is divided up, probably the more stressed the parents are, whereas a child who is an only child has the advantage of parental attention and less stressed parents. So I, I think that it is so unfair and, and so empirically ungrounded to urge people who have one child to have a second one when they don't want a second one 
and to exert this kind of misplaced pity for only children as if they had a bad life when in fact they have lots of advantages. Yes, that's right. So do you think that in some cases it could be a moral responsibility to oneself not to have children, such as overpopulation? That that question, to me, perhaps combines a couple of things that we would need to separate out. So I do think that in some cases there could be a moral responsibility to oneself not to have children. Clear case would be where the person doesn't want children. So if you have a young woman or a young man or both who are not particularly interested in children, not particularly interested in raising children, uh, I think they have a moral responsibility to themselves not to have children they would be betraying their own preferences and perhaps betraying their own abilities as well. And another case might be somebody who has uh, a very deep and all-consuming interest in and ability for something like music or theater or science or perhaps even politics, such a person who wants to commit her whole life and all her energies to an art or a science or to public life, that person might very well have a responsibility to herself not to have children. Now, there could be other reasons for having a moral responsibility not to have children, but that, in that case, that moral responsibility might, might not be to oneself, or might not just be to oneself, but you might have a moral responsibility to others. So um, I can certainly imagine cases where, and and we may be getting towards that point. I mean, or arguably, I mean, some people think we're already at or near this point where. Problems of overpopulation create a moral responsibility not to have children. In that case, the moral responsibility is not simply to oneself, but it's a kind of moral responsibility to one's, to one's fellow beings, to, to the rest of one's society, to the planet. I definitely think it's, it's an important consideration. So I, I would want to make a distinction between a moral responsibility simply to oneself, not to have children, and the moral responsibility to others, not to have children. I think those might be two distinct things. You're listening to Radical Philosophy on Radio 3CR 855 on your AM dial, and I'm speaking to Professor Christine Overall about the topic, Why Have Children?, now, there has been some criticism of the one-child policy. Yes. Yes. So what I argue in my book, Why Have Children, I argue, I think, something that is not particularly radical or new. I, I argue that we can, we can have one child each, 
which would mean if you're in a couple, two children. So you'd be engaging in self-replacement. And, and I think that if people took that view and took it consistently, it actually would lead to a gradual decline in population because some people choose not to have children at all. So it seems to me that that is an ethically justifiable approach. Um, however, there is a very interesting book by a philosopher named Sarah Conley who argues that couples should only have one child. In other words, one should not engage in self-replacement, which would be two children per couple, but one should have at most only one child because she thinks the dangers of overpopulation are so severe. And I do have some sympathy for that because it, I mean, we in the West really, really don't deserve very much credit on this. Even though our birth rates are falling, we consume at such a high rate that, in effect, when somebody in the West has a child, it ends up being the equivalent of five or perhaps ten children in a much more uh, modest or an impoverished culture where people don't consume at the same rate. So I'm, I'm sympathetic to the kind of argument that uh, Sarah Conley makes that couples should have only one child. I'm not sympathetic to her view that perhaps there should be some state controls on reproduction. I think that goes too far. But I can understand why someone would put that forward. The problem, I think, is that if we say that couples should have only one child, and if we say it's morally wrong to have more than one child, I think that we're asking such a sacrifice for people. We're, we're asking something that, at this stage, it seems to me, is not tenable as a moral requirement. It's just, it's not going to work. People regard it as too draconian. And I think that our hopes in the long run, insofar as there are any, for population control have to lie with educating particularly women more and more, increasing access to contraception and abortion, and respecting the very real choices of people who don't want children, and, and encouraging people to think, who do want children, to think about how many they're having and why they're having that many. So that's the direction that I, I think we need to move in. Yes, there has been, uh, well, it's a cultural situation where people think they need to have a lot of children so that they will be supported in their old age. And with bringing in education to mainly, mainly the people who have that sort of mindset, uh, they're being taught that if they have fewer children and they're able to better educate and better care for those children, they will be better supported in their old age. And because of the cultural reason, so that... You can understand the strategy 
of people who have a lot of children in some society. But I think it's understandable that people took that kind of strategy because up until recently, and still in some nations, there's, there's a problem of high infant and child mortality. So the strategy of having a lot of children was motivated not only by the need for workers and the hope of having somebody to support oneself as one ages, but also uh, it was motivated by the fact that one could not count on every child that one has surviving infancy and childhood. So for nations that where women do have a lot of children, another approach, of course, is to lower infant and child mortality, is to provide better public health, is to provide access to health care, to vaccinations, good food, etc., so that parents can start to have confidence that the children they do have will survive and there isn't a need to have so many. And, of course, ultimately, you would want to have a society that had sufficient means, sufficient resources to support individuals at all stages of their lives so that somebody who does not have children or whose children are not available or present is not left destitute in old age. Yes, do you have any future study plans within this field? Oh, well, one of the things I'm I'm working on right now is issues around so-called surrogate motherhood. So that's kind of related to some of the topics about having children. I'm very interested in the role that so-called surrogate mothers or contract mothers play and what happens to their children. I mean, it's, uh, these arrangements are very interesting because they are ways in which some women are used as gestators to produce children for other people who have the money to hire them. And one of the things I'm concerned about is that in cases like that, the babies that are produced are simply handed over to the people with the money, even though in other cases where children change hands, we would expect some sort of process of adoption to go through. That is, we wouldn't just permit a baby to be handed over from its gestational mother to another person without assessing that person's abilities and capacity as a parent. So I'm interested in what happens when children change hands. I also have some interest in arguments that some philosophers have been making recently that people perhaps have a moral responsibility to adopt rather than to have their own biological children at all. So some philosophers, um, such as, for example, an American philosopher named Tina Ruley, argues that if you want children, that's fine. But there are so many children on the planet needing parents, so many children who are destitute and desperately in need, that your moral responsibility is to choose not to have your own biologically related children, but rather to adopt. 
And I think that's a very interesting claim, and that's, that's one that I want to think about some more. Right. Well, thanks very much for coming onto the program today. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. And I've been speaking to Professor Christine Overall about why have children. Hi, yeah, my name is Vanessa Lim. I'm a professor of philosophy at the University of New South Wales. And Right, and you listen to Radical Philosophy on 3CR Community Radio. <laughs> From now on, <laughs> yes. And that's all we have time for today. Hope you've enjoyed the program and been given plenty of food for thought.